Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Joe Biden has chosen a younger, prettier, West Coast version of Hillary Clinton. Stand by. The doors of the newsroom are locked and the PC police are not getting in. Sit back and relax as we unfold today's edition of the Ledger Report. And in San Diego, one anchor man was more man than the rest. His name was Graham Ledger. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. Stop tape, stop tape. That's Jim Clyburn of South Carolina, the uh, the kingmaker. He, he's the person responsible for Joe Biden uh, getting over that hump. Remember during the primary process? I don't know. It was certainly before COVID-19. It was, I think it was possibly December, January, around in there. And Clyburn comes out and he endorses Joe Biden for president. And then everything fell into place after that for Joe Biden, the kingmaker, Jim Clyburn of South Carolina, in the leadership in the Nancy Pelosi Congress, but he's only allowed to rise to a certain level, you know. Why isn't Jim Clyburn Speaker of the House, by the way? Why do we have to have so many years, so many decades, so many iterations of Nancy Pelosi? as She's kind of morphed over the years, and the plastic surgery has tried to, you know, keep the bondo from slipping too far down. And why isn't it we can't have a fresh face like Jim Clyburn? Is it that he only serves a certain purpose for the Democrat leadership? And what is that purpose exactly? Is he the kingmaker uh, among black voters? And so here's Clyburn saying this is a wonderful moment. The choice of Kamala, Kamala, Kampala, I don't know. I'm I'm just going to say whatever comes into my head. And it's Kamala to me. Uh, Kamala, you know, it's so important we get her name correct. No, she's a radical. Let's just call her what she is. She's a radical. Kamala, Kamala, what have you. She's a Marxist socialist. So he's all excited for the black community because of the choice of Kamala Harris. Only one problem with that. Actually, a couple problems with that. Um, She's Jamaican, and she's Indian, as in uh, not American Indian, but uh, the other Indian. As my uh, girlfriend used to say, who was American Indian, she'd say, I'm an Indian feather, not the dot. Be that as me. That's what she said. Don't hold that against me, okay? Um, anyway, so Clyburn says it's a wonderful moment for blacks in this country. <laughs> Does she meet the definition of black? Now imagine... Imagine if Kamala Harris were not a radical, 
which is hard to believe and, and imagine. Uh, imagine if she were a registered Republican um, and the media got their hands on Kamala Harris as the Republican vice presidential nominee. These would be the headlines. Kamala Harris, the choice of, you know, X for the running mate for president of the United States. But she's really not black, is she? Of course, we're not seeing that anywhere in the mainstream media, are we? We're seeing that Kamala Harris, what a brilliant choice. This is a wonderful choice for Joe Biden. He's really thinking about the future. He's thinking outside the box. He's thinking about capturing all these. But what exactly does Kamala Harris bring to the table for the ticket? I'll get to that in a minute. I, I, I don't see this through an electoral prism. I see it through an ideological prism in terms of the choice that was made here. And it was not made by Joe Biden. Joe Biden is the Manchurian candidate. He's the empty suit. And so the Democrat machine is calling the shots and they're, they're sending out his tweets for him. He's not writing those tweets. He can barely form a sentence. We know this. He's got cognitive problems. He's got early dementia. There's something really wrong with the guy. And some people are calling it elder abuse. I call it the Manchurian candidate because he is just there as a figurehead. He didn't choose Kamala Harris. The Democrat machine chose Kamala Harris. But it's interesting, the choice, because it reveals a lot. But back to uh, Congressman Clyburn. Uh, he's excited because uh, he thinks that blacks in America... I don't know... I don't know. I hate to look at Americans this way. I hate to categorize Americans. I think it's exactly the opposite of what the framers of the Constitution wanted in issuing not only the Constitution itself, but the Declaration of Independence. Um, I think it's exactly a more recent example, exactly the opposite of what Martin Luther King preached. We're not supposed to judge people based on the color of their skin, but on the content of their character. And so Clyburn's talking about how blacks are going to be happy about the choice of Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris uh, lived a rather privileged life. I don't know uh, to the typical black family in this country they can even relate to Kamala Harris um, as a person, but also her policies. I don't know. And again, I don't like to categorize people. Uh, based on ethnicity, color of skin, their race. I like to look, look at people as Americans. And as an American, we know a lot about Kamala Harris. And thanks to some wonderful research and a couple of nice books written that included information about Kamala Harris, it's mind-boggling. It is mind-boggling. Not that she ascended where she has in the Democrat Party, but that people, voters, especially in California, that, that put her in this position of prominence... Uh, had been able to overlook or just too lazy to do the research about how Kamala Harris has uh, risen to the top. Uh, and she's done it in, in various ways. But Clyburn has more to say. Roll tape. Stop tape. Here we go with the women thing again. Are we over this yet as a country? I mean, serious. We had a female presidential candidate. Her name was Hillary Clinton. So here we are. We're, we're back to square one. We need to shatter the glass ceiling. Women can do anything in this country. I love it. You know, the first thing that, that you see, you know, when people put 
uh, on their resume for women in particular is the first thing they put is mom. It's interesting. You know, I like to put dad, father, uh, the first thing on my resume. I don't have it on my official resume, but it's on my unofficial resume. It's on my biography, what is most important to me, and that's being a parent, and that's wonderful. But women have the wonderful choice in our society today in, in 2020 to do whatever the hell they want. Right? They can be a mom and they can do something. And if they're not a mom, that's just fine too. Women can do whatever the hell they want. Women are not repressed. And this notion that we hear, and I don't want to get into the details, but we still hear it, that women are paid less than men, there is, it's, it's a lie. Apples, that's an apples and oranges comparison, always, when you see a report like that. When you see a report like that, remember just dig into the details and every time... It'll expose itself. That's an apples and oranges comparison. In other words, when you compare a female to a male who basically uh, two careers parallel one another, there is no difference between the pay in the aggregate between the man and the woman. There's two major reasons why women are earning less overall in the aggregate over their careers than men. Number one, whether we like it or not, God gave women the ability to have babies. And when you have babies, it takes you out of the workforce no matter what. Yeah, We have all these laws now where you have uh, maternity leave and you have male uh, maternity leave. uh, But... Let's face it, a lot of women take extended time off to be a parent, and that's fine. That's wonderful. But when it takes you out of the workforce for a year, two years, five years, ten years, it's going to affect your aggregate pay. That's number one. And the second reason that's glossed over every time there's one of these reports is that women tend to choose overall, not all women, but overall women tend to choose careers that pay a little bit less than the careers that men choose. And that's it. That's the reason why you hear this 74 cents on the dollar women earn. It's nonsense. It's a lie. And so here's Clyburn trying to say that, well, this is a wonderful thing for women. Don't we have sufficient role models out there other than Kamala Harris to inspire women? And by the way, why does it take a female to inspire a female? I'm not sure about that. I see a successful female and it inspires me. I'm a male. Can't we cross-pollinate here? Same thing with race. You know, Barack Obama is this wonderful role model for African Americans. Why why can't Ronald Reagan be a wonderful role model for African Americans? Why does it have something to do with the color of a person's skin? I have never understood this. Roll tape. These Asians, immigrants, they heed really... Stop. (laughs) Immigrants? Well, I, I suppose uh, Kamala Harris could be considered an immigrant. After all, she immigrated from Berkeley to Washington, D.C., so that she's an immigrant from California to the District of Columbia. So in that sense, I guess Kamala Harris is an immigrant. Um, what exactly is Mr. Clyburn referring to? Is he referring to that? Uh, moving from California to the District of Columbia? I don't think so. I think he's trying to imply that because, again, of the color of Kamala Harris's skin, that somehow she is an inspiration to immigrants to come to this country or to succeed in this country? Immigrants 
who come the legal way don't need that. They're happy to get their green card. They're happy to get their citizenship. And they know that they've come to a country that is founded on freedom and liberty and the free markets and the ability to become effectively whatever you want to become. Immigrants know this inherently. And this is why we see so many times immigrants, especially from Marxist socialist countries like Venezuela and from the old Soviet Union, sounding the alarm when they see a Kamala Harris emerge on the scene who has radical anti-American policies. It's these people from Venezuela, the old Soviet Union, or, or Cuba, or if they happen to escape from North Korea, it is these people who are the canaries in the coal mine for this country right now because apparently too many Americans don't see the calamity that's headed our way. More from Clyburn and Roll Tape. As uh, Barack Obama said, he nailed this. Uh, when you look at uh, all that he had to choose from, uh, and it was a difficult job, I told him that I was glad I did not have to make the choice. Uh, Stop tape. Well, first of all, uh, it's the modern Democrat Party, uh, I firmly believe, that made the choice. Secondly, um, Barack Obama, uh, Barack Obama certainly was the part of this uh, grouping in the Democrat Party that, that made the choice. Um, and he used a term, simpatico. I believe that's the term he used. What did he say, uh, Mr. Clarber, and roll tape? I know he gets to it. Uh, that he could not have gone wrong with. But uh, when you look at what he talked about, all he needed to do was to resolve the problem of what he calls simpatico. Simpatico. Sympatico, by definition, is uh, one person or entity agreeing with another, being in, in sync. So I guess it's Joe Biden in Sympatico, ostensibly, with Kamala, Kamala Harris. But in reality, the Sympatico that I believe that Barack Obama is referring to is this is just what the modern Democrat Party ordered. Kamala Harris is as radical as you get. Now, I believe what I said off the top, that she is a younger, prettier, wet... And I believe she's pretty, by the way. I, I From the moment I saw her, I said, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty lady. And she's got a, a great smile. Uh, more on that in a moment, Willie Brown. Um, but she is a younger prettier, not too much younger, but younger, prettier, West Coast version of Hillary Clinton. And she thinks that she can hide her radical roots and her ideology that is opposite of the United States Constitution, but she can't because her record is clear. And by the way, Kamala Harris uh, might be a younger, prettier West Coast version of Hillary Clinton who's actually more dangerous because... I believe that Hillary Clinton is very disciplined in a way. Hillary Clinton, I've read about more than, maybe more than Ronald Reagan, second most to Ronald Reagan in my life, and, and it was during the 90s mostly when I was reading these books, and the, the thing that kept emerging from all these books about Bill Clinton was that it was Hillary Clinton who was the driving force behind Bill Clinton every step. You know, while Bill Clinton's out there and he's, uh, he's eating those donuts and he's saying, I feel your pain. It's Hillary Clinton saying, you dummy, 
You messed up again. You had another affair. Throw another dish or another lamp. Bam! Hits him in the head. I'm sorry, honey. I, I'll be a little better about it. <laughs> Just don't get caught. Bam! Um, I think that, that Kamala Harris is potentially more dangerous than Hillary Clinton. But who is Kamala Harris? What do we know about her? Well, we know, uh, Congressman Clyburn, that she's not an immigrant. We know that she grew up in Berkeley. And, you know, let's face it. Anybody who grows up in Berkeley in the 60s and 70s like she did, you're going to be affected by that. I grew up in San Francisco in the late 60s and into the 70s, and I was affected by it. It largely shaped who I am today. Um, You know, it's like your parents. You're raised by your parents. You can accept and emulate what your parents have done, the, the things that you like, and you can reject the ones that you, the things that your parents that you didn't like, right? Same thing with your environment. For me, I looked at it, I learned from it, and I rejected 99.9% of what I saw growing up in San Francisco. I wholeheartedly rejected. Kamala, on the other hand, on the other side of the bay, apparently, uh, in Berkeley, is probably a sponge to what had gone on at Berkeley and in San Francisco in the late 1960s, early 70s, and to what goes on in in the San Francisco area, especially at Berkeley and around Berkeley, which is just nuts. If you've never been to Berkeley, don't bother, um, unless you really want to get a taste of what an ideologically driven, radical, out-of-control, out-of-touch region looks like. And I would suggest that you don't spend a hell of a lot of time there, except like just consider yourself on a safari and that you are an American citizen in a foreign land because that's effectively what it is. It's a a time warp. It's insanity. uh, All rolled into one. Uh, That's Berkeley for you. Uh, And certain other parts of the Bay Area, but in particular Berkeley because it's the mecca for craziness and, and radicalism. And, of course, we have uh, UC Berkeley as the uh, main component of that. But the bottom line is that's where she grew up. As she grew up, she became, you know, she was influenced by uh, her parents. She became a lawyer. And then she tried to figure out exactly what to do as a lawyer. And that's where um, Peter Schweitzer picks up uh, in his book, uh, Profiles and Radicals. I believe that was the title. Um, and she is a radical. Kamala Harris is a radical, without a doubt. And she ascended in the Democrat Party in California um, after she met a gentleman by the name of Willie Brown. Now, Willie Brown is a well-known household name in California, but maybe outside of California, he, he really isn't known all that well. Willie Brown just penned a op-ed in the San Francisco Chronicle about a week ago saying that Kamala Harris, even though Kamala is his buddy, would not be the best choice for vice presidential candidate. In fact, he wanted her to be the attorney general. And I believe that Willie Brown is right. I don't agree with Willie Brown on a heck of a lot of stuff. But in this case, um, on the surface, he's right. And, And I want to dig into that in just a minute. But back to Schweitzer in the book. He, Schweitzer, chronicled 
how Kamala Harris got from point A to point B. And point A is this young, struggling attorney, didn't know what she wanted to do in her late 20s, early 30s. And all of a sudden, she ran into Willie Brown. And then she was focused. And then she had an affair, apparently. This is what he writes with Willie Brown, long going. He showered her with gifts. He showered her with appointments. He showered her with a career path that now we are seeing uh, has come to fruition as a United States senator, one of only 100 in the country, and now as the vice presidential pick for sloppy Joe Biden. But it was Willie Brown who set Kamala Harris on this course. And Kamala Harris is, in, in a way, if you uh, pick up on the, the vibe from what Schweitzer is writing in his book, in a way, she is the female version of Joe Biden, only without dementia. And that is, she's an empty skirt. And she's willing to fill in that skirt, literally and figuratively, apparently, uh, for however, however she wants and whatever she needs in order to keep ascending on the power ladder. And that's what she is. She's power hungry, just like Hillary Clinton is completely and totally driven by power. That's why she ruled the roost over Bill Clinton. She was drunk with power. It is Kamala Harris who is drunk with power. And the interesting thing is, you know, when we were watching the debates uh, among the Democrats, Kamala Harris and Bernie Sanders never really went at it. Um, they kind of, in a sense, you know, people talked about how Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders kind of complemented each other and they're good buddies and they're, they're, they share the same radical ideology. In a way, it was more, to me, it was more Bernie Sanders and Kamala Harris. And if you, if you uh, dig deep in the numbers, you'll understand why. There's an article out of Breitbart, GovTrack, Kamala Harris, or Kamala Harris, further left than Democrat Socialist Bernie Sanders. And they dig through the numbers. Um, and they, they talk about her history. Who is Kamala Harris? Well, she was an early co-sponsor of the Green New Deal, compliments of Ocasio-Cortez, of course. Harris also supported granting free health care, free health care, to illegal aliens, slashing military budgets, and other radical proposals, including Medicare for All. And we know that Medicare for All would effectively wipe out all private health care in this country. This is Kamala Harris. She um, is on the liberal scale the worst. Believe it or not, her score, according to GovTrack, is lower than Bernie Sanders. They have the bottom 10 uh, listed. Uh, you have Cory Booker. His score is, this is on a, a, a scale of 0 to 100, apparently. Um, so zero being least. So they pick up with um, uh, Cory Booker. Uh, Maisie Hirano is 0 0.09. Cory Booker is 0 0.07. Jeff Merkley is 0 0.07, tied with Cory Booker. At number three of the bottom three is 0.3% Kirsten Gillibrand, the former uh, candidate for president for the Democrat nomination. Second to last is Bernie Sanders at 0 0.02. He is number two, but number one at the absolute rock bottom in terms of upholding the United States Constitution. And 
keeping her oath of office and voting in tune with the founding documents at the very bottom. In their list of 100 is Kamala Harris, and her score is 0.00. That is Kamala Harris. That is her voting record. Her Liberty score, last I checked, is uh, nearing zero. It's among the worst. I believe it's even lower than Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. If you can get that low, that is Kamala Harris as a legislator. So this is a reflection of her radical ideology. But when we look at this selection, a conventional way to look at a vice presidential pick is how does it complement, if you're trying to get elected, right? How does it complement the candidate? Not just philosophically uh, and policy-wise, but how does it help carry this team, the president and the vice president, president candidate X and vice presidential candidate Y, this team, across the finish line to victory in November? The conventional way to look at Joe Biden would be what states would Joe Biden need to be pushed across the finish line? What states would Joe Biden need to carry? And if you look at the short list of Joe Biden's vice presidential candidates, ostensibly anyway, the one that was floated out there, there are a couple of candidates in key states. One of them was Whitmer in Michigan. Now, Michigan is a state you want to carry. Michigan is a state that's in play, a Rust Belt state. As Michigan goes, possibly the rest of the nation goes. So a conventional way of, of choosing a vice presidential candidate would look at Michigan as a ripe target, right? And you have Nutcase Whitmer, who apparently was on the short list. The list I saw, she was number three, behind Rice and Kamala Harris. And don't worry about Susan Rice. <laughs> Susan Rice is going to be just fine. Uh, if, if there's a Biden administration, God forbid, uh, Susan Rice will have a prominent role there. Uh, you could you could fill in the blank of, of where she would be in, in doing her dirty work in a Biden administration, picking up where she left off with Barack Obama. But uh, Whitmer was on the short list, as was this uh, congresswoman out of Florida, Val. I always blank on her name. Val Jennings, is it? Val something or other out of Florida. Florida is a key state, right? Florida is a purple state. I label it a purple state. It used to be red. I don't believe it's red anymore. It's totally in play for the November 3rd election in choosing the next president of the United States. And so you would think a, a candidate out of Florida would be a huge choice and, and a very important one, strategically speaking, to try and propel Joe Biden across the finish line on November 3rd. Neither of those. Neither of those came into play here. So clearly we can't look at this choice by Joe Biden and the Democrat machine in a conventional way. So why would they pick Kamala Harris? Is it because she's some sort of brilliant political mind? Um, ascending her way through the Democrat Party? Sleeping with Willie Brown, among other things? Complete and total empty skirt that's being filled in along the way, an opportunistic attorney general 
in in California who showed uh, evidence repeatedly of playing favorites and protecting her friends and uh, her supporters and prosecuting the weak and being wholly inconsistent on the issue of marijuana. We've heard that ad nauseum. What exactly does Kamala Harris, other than being a United States senator, what exactly does she bring to the table? Is it her brilliance? Well, we know she's not brilliant. We saw her on the uh, debate stage. She's not exactly a, a brilliant debater. I think, uh, by the way, I think that uh, um, Mike Pence could have a field day with her. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So, what exactly does Kamala Harris bring to the table, and why did they choose Kamala Harris? Well, to me, it, it's, it's rather clear. They didn't look at the Democrat Party, a.k.a. Joe Biden, did not look at this through a conventional, let's get elected lens. I think this is a reflection of how the Democrat Party views this electoral cycle. I think they're in a position, in a mindset as they were in 2016, thinking, hey, they're going to cruise to victory. That Donald Trump's negatives are so high that the American people, <coughs> excuse me again, that the American people are not going to choose Donald Trump for a second term. And so the Democrat Party is thinking beyond the election in the choice of Kamala Harris. They're thinking, yeah, indeed. Joe Biden ain't going to serve out a, a term. There's going to be some sort of catastrophe striking Joe Biden in his initial term if he were to be elected uh, president of the United States, the 46th president, and then Kamala Harris would then ascend to the 47th president of the United States. This is the way I view this decision. has nothing to do with an electoral strategy and everything to do with a strategy of moving the Democrat Party into uh, another power position and, and advancing their radical ideology. If, if, if this was a more conventional way to look at things for the Democrat Party, Willie Brown would be right. Willie Brown is correct. Put the radical in the AG slot. And let her do her damage. She would do massive damage. I mean, think about her radical brain. That is the, the lowest score on GovTrack. The lowest score in terms of keeping faith to the United States Constitution. That person in the AG slot could do more damage, certainly, than a vice presidential pick, right? Once you stick someone in the vice presidential position... Um, you know, historically, they go away. Now, that doesn't have to be the case, certainly. Uh, Biden can delegate all he wants to uh, Kamala Harris and doesn't have to relegate her to what uh, Pence is doing, which is, you know, basically from square one, just going around the country giving speeches, which is fine. It's fine getting the message out and, and talking uh, to the faithful that way. But clearly, this is not the way the Democrat Party is thinking. The Democrat Party is not thinking in a conventional manner here. The Democrat Party is after a coup d'etat and a coup de gras at the same time. The coup d'etat would be to elect Biden, get rid of him, put Harris in there. The coup de gras would be to have the most radical, even more radical than Barack Obama, 
installed as the president of the United States once they affect the coup d'etat, they get the coup de gras. This is the way the Democrat Party is thinking. They're looking at the numbers. They're looking at 538. 538, I got suckered into 538 during the 2016 election cycle. I will never get suckered in uh, to that website again. But I will look at it. And I think this is what the Democrat Party is looking at. The odds of Joe, this is on 538 right now. So they're looking at this and they're thinking, ah, okay, we don't have to worry about Florida. We don't have to worry about Michigan. We're going to win on election day. 70%, 70%, it's actually a 71% chance that Joe Biden wins on election day. This is 538. Now, I want to remind you that 538 had, I think, I, I remember seeing at one point, I think they had Hillary Clinton winning, beating Donald Trump uh, about a, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of a 90% chance toward the end there. It was in the neighborhood of no chance in hell. Snowball's chance in hell that Donald Trump would beat Hillary Clinton. And, of course, uh, we know what happened. We know that it was Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton by a significant margin, by the way. And I firmly believe that can happen again today. Um, But the Democrat Party, I think this choice of Kamala Harris is a reflection of the Democrat Party being very, very certain that they are going to win. Um, This is the COVID-19 election. And anything can happen. And I recommend that any candidate out there pays attention to what's going on with COVID-19 and embraces it and then tars and feathers any, any incumbent Democrat candidate with the fact that they knew that Adam Schiff on down, Nancy Pelosi on down, knew about the Wuhan coronavirus in December of 2019 at the least. And they didn't do anything about it. They didn't do anything about it in December. They didn't do anything about it in January. Now, you can go and you can say they were too focused on impeachment. Some places, some blue states were these... Republicans are trying to get elected. I wouldn't even touch. I wouldn't even touch the third rail of impeachment because it didn't resonate with the American people. So just say effectively, hey, where were you when the Wuhan coronavirus was being incubated in December and you didn't tell us about it? You didn't warn Americans about it. Where were you, Adam Schiff? Where were you? Oh, you were too distracted over here. Yes, doing impeachment. But you were too distracted not doing your job. It is the job of the Intelligence Committee. It is the job of all elected officials to protect this country from invaders and invasions. Well, the Wuhan coronavirus is an invader, and it invaded this country. And now we're paying the price. And among the price we're paying, unfortunately, and this... this, is more significant than 538. This is a headline out of Fox. Trump indicates that campaign rallies may be no more. This is really a shame. Uh, Because this is part and parcel to the American experience. William Jennings Bryan in 
the election of 1896, did his whistle-stop tour across the country, took the train all over different areas and gave speeches. This is the predicate to the modern edition of going out and campaigning for president. That's what Donald Trump did so effectively and so uh, much in an entertaining fashion during the 2016 election cycle. And it produced some wonderful moments, not just from Donald Trump, but from Hillary Clinton uh, herself when she called Trump supporters deplorables and his stock. It was a wonderful moment. All that's gone. Think about that. All we have now is Joe Biden holed up in his office somewhere doing Zoom and doing uh, these uh, electronic news conferences and teleconferences and back and forth. They're, they're sterile. They're horrible. They don't engage the crowd. They don't excite people. I predict a low voter turnout. In November, I, I don't, you know, it's it, sure they're going to be mailing ballots to everybody. And that is going to be replete with all kinds of corruption. And we know in California, they're going to be mailing out exponentially more ballots than there are registered voters. We know this to be true. And we know that the voter rolls are corrupt in California and they're corrupt in every state. There, there isn't a state in the union that really has a clean set of, of, of voter rolls. And so too many ballots are going to be mailed out to, you know, one house is going to get five different ballots. We know this is going to happen, not everywhere, but it's going to happen. So what's going to happen to those four other ballots? Is the person going to be a good citizen and either destroy them or, or walk them into the registrar of voters or walk them into the precinct and say, hey, uh, these extra ballots came in? I... Certainly hope so, but I, I know that that's not going to be the case uniformly. We know that. It's not going to take a rocket scientist to figure out that there's going to be massive voter fraud committed during this election cycle. And if New York is any example, and we know it is, this most recent primary election where they did all vote by mail and didn't, you know, Andrew Cuomo, the genius, had the metered uh, stamps on the uh, return envelopes. <laughs> And metered stamps don't give a, a date stamp on them? Genius. How could you be so smart, Governor Cuomo? Send out these metered return envelopes that don't get a date and time stamp on them. So you, get, you have to go to court and say, well, what do we do now? And then you get a single judge saying, well, count all the votes. And so if they count all the votes, it's going to take days. It's going to take weeks? Uh, no, it's going to take months, which is the tragedy, the train wreck that we're looking at on November 3rd, isn't it? The train wreck is the COVID-19 election, that there's a decent chance, unless it's a landslide victory, that we may not know who won. We may not know the results on election day, night. We may not know the results the day after. We may not, we're going to have a, a, a situation not unlike what we saw in the year 2000, again in 2020. It's going to happen. Joe Biden has all of these attorneys ready to go in the major markets, in the, major, in the, in the blue states, in the red states especially. I think I heard 600. He's got 600 hired guns, probably all ambulance-chasing attorneys, ready to chase these uh, ballots that are going to be mailed in. And they're going to do the same thing. 
that they did in, in New York. They're going to say, well, who knows if if Governor Genius in California is going to do the same thing that Newsom. It's actually a brilliant mistake, right? If you're trying to corrupt the vote, sure, send out metered um, envelopes so that they can't stamp the date and time. <laughs> it's it's it, in a politically corrupt sense. It's genius. So then a, you get a radical judge, a lawyer dressed in a black robe, to to look at this and say, "Well, well, we don't know when these were mailed, so we're going to just have to keep counting and counting and counting, and they keep coming in and they keep coming in until they get the desired result, right? Well, we need a few more. Well, let's mail in a few more. Let's stick a few more in the mail because there's no time date stamp on it. Just a few more. Okay." Now we got it. Now, now we got that Democrat uh, candidate victory uh, uh, in that congressional race. It's exactly how they did in California during 2018. It's a debacle, an absolute debacle. Mail-in balloting is rife with fraud. We've seen it time and time again because the voter rolls are inaccurate largely throughout the country. And the states, you know, the president tried to clean up the voter rolls, if you'll remember, when he first went into office. Got the task force, the states, the blue states, would not comply. Why? Why wouldn't the blue states comply? Because they want the voter corruption. Because they want the voter chaos. So they can fling it into court and they can try and do an Al Gore all over again. Look for it. It's going to happen during this, the COVID election. I got a viewer mail from a gentleman by the name of Ernie. He sent this to me. And he says, Mr. Ledger, would you take the Russian vaccine? Uh, this is the pertaining to uh, Vladimir Putin saying that he, he's got the vaccine. He's selling it to he's got like a billion doses that he's selling to various countries around the world. They're buying this thing and uh, they they're going to administer the thing. So the, the question is, would you uh, take the Russian vaccine? The answer is no. Um, I it's not just because it's from Russia. It's because of and I don't know what their clinical trial process is vis-a-vis what we do in America. It may be just fine, but it's on advice of my personal physician who says don't go anywhere near the first iteration of any kind of vaccine because it could be dangerous. And they're selling a billion uh, doses of the thing around the world. And in the Philippines, Rodrigo Duterte the president of the Philippines, who I, I love this guy, um, he says that he'll uh, volunteer to take it. And I want to give some advice to Rodrigo, uh, Mr. President of the Philippines. Do not do that. Please don't do that. Just keep doing your thing in the Philippines. You're doing a great job uh, cleaning up corruption. Um, it's a wonderful thing, most of what he's been doing. And he does it in a rather cavalier, kind of cowboy way. Don't take this first iteration of the vaccine. You're fine. You know, take some hydroxychloroquine. We know about hydroxychloroquine. <laughs> take some zinc. Take a Z-Pack. You know, not unlike what the president of the United States did. Do that. Just, you know, back off on this Vladimir Putin um, vaccine and, and give it a little time um, until we know better. Because this is the COVID-19 election and we need good people. Like Rodrigo Duterte. He's a little bit squirrely. From time to time he goes... Off the reservation, if you will. But overall, I think that he's a great ally, and certainly the Philippines is a great ally 
uh, of this country. And who knows if Joe Biden is elected president, uh, what's going to happen to that relationship among others. Joe Biden is the focus of the ledger register this week, and it pertains to Kamala Harris. The question is, is Joe Biden choosing his running mate or is the Democrat Party deciding for him? Well, during the course of this program, I've pretty well uh, given you my opinion, and that is the Democrat Party um, made the choice for him. And we now know that the choice is, in my opinion, based on political ideology and not any kind of electoral strategy. The choice is a younger and prettier and probably more radical version of Hillary Rodham Clinton, uh, United States Senator, by the name of Kamala or Kamala Harris. This edition of the Ledger Report is on its way to the Archives Library of Congress. Thank you for listening. I'm Graham Ledger. And remember, even when I'm wrong, I'm right. <laughs> <laughs>